Today I want to tackle a topic that can radically change your life. It can change your family life, your work life, your school life. This is a topic that is crucial um, to our political process as people go to the polls this week. This is also a topic that's vitally important to our church family as we try to carry out the mission that God's given us in the world. And this is a topic that Jesus addressed in his message that we call the Sermon on the Mount. We've been working through this, this sermon by Jesus. And this is the statement that we're going to look at this morning. Blessed are the, can you say that with me? Pure in the heart, for they shall see God. Okay, well, what exactly does that mean and how in the world can it change my life? Well, first of all, what does it mean to be pure in heart? Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you are perfect. In fact, let me have a show of hands. How many of you are perfect? Oh, man. I was afraid that might happen. You know, it reminds me of a story, Eddie, actually, of a pastor who asked that question one time in church, and somebody raised their hand, and it was a guy in the front row, as the story goes. And, and so he said, sir, seriously, you're claiming to be perfect? And he said, no, I'm not perfect. But I know somebody who's perfect. And the pastor said, well, who do you know that's perfect? And he said, my... Uh, my wife's first husband. <laughs> he was perfect. Anyway, the fact, is, the fact is nobody's perfect, okay? So the pure in heart doesn't refer to somebody who's perfect. We all have faults and failures and flaws, but somebody who's pure in heart is honest about that. Somebody who's pure in heart wants to do the right thing, the thing that pleases God. Somebody who's pure in heart has this... Um, this life where what they say they believe and what they do actually match up. And there is this, this word that really describes what it means to be pure in heart. Look at this statement on your outline. To be pure in heart is to have integrity. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning, integrity. So when you have integrity, your beliefs are aligned with your behaviors. Um, somebody said this one time, wisdom is knowing the right path to take Integrity is actually taking it. Now, for a Christian, integrity means that you're committed to taking the right path by following God's principles. In fact, this is our verse of the week. How can I keep my way pure? And here's the answer. By living according to your word, God. I heard a story this week about a pastor that was on a bus, and he goes to get off the bus, and the, uh, the driver gives him too much change. And he says to the driver, hey, you gave me too much change. And the guy goes, I know. And the pastor says, well, why did you do that? He said, because I was in your church on Sunday and I heard you preach and I wanted to find out if you were worth listening to. To have integrity means that you practice what you preach. And there's an important distinction between integrity and reputation. Your reputation is what people think about you, what people say about you. It's sort of your public image. That's your reputation. But integrity is who you really are. Integrity is who you are when you're alone with God. Now, you can think about integrity this way. Imagine the hull of a ship. Okay, do you have that in your head? It's a big, big ship. Now, in order for that ship to float, the hull has to have integrity. It can't be damaged. It has to be intact, because if it's not, what will happen to the ship? Are you with me here? What will happen to the, the ship? It will go to the bottom of the sea. It will sink. Now, here's a picture of a ship with a gaping hole in the side. Now, if this hole's not repaired and that ship sets out to sea, it will sink. 
And see, this is true of us as well. If we have serious cracks in our character, cracks in our integrity, our life will eventually sink. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? What's the rest of the statement? They shall see God. What does that mean? I'm looking around, and I don't see God right now. Um, and I'm trying to be pure in heart. What does Jesus mean? Well, here's the deal. Think about this. If you're really committed to living God's way, to following his principles in your life, you're going to have a closer connection with God, right? Which means that you're going to see God all the time. You're going to see God in nature. You're going to see God in his word when you read the Bible. You're going to see God working in you. You're going to see God working in your family, working in your church. And one day, when we get home to heaven, we will see God because Jesus is going to be there waiting for us and welcoming us home. One day, one day we're going to see God. In fact, Jesus said one time to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But what about this day? What about this day with all of its pressures and problems and pain? How can we live with integrity in this world? And if we do, how do we know that God will bless us? And, and what are those blessings anyway? Well, let me point out three blessings of living with integrity. And the first is this. You live with stability. Stability. Look at this verse from Proverbs. It says, people with integrity have a firm footing, but those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. Now, we said just a moment ago that a person with integrity is somebody who lives according to the principles of God's word. So let me ask you this. Do those principles ever change? Do God's values ever change? I see people shaking their head, no, that's the right answer. They don't. You know, I think about this. You know, God gave us how many commandments? Good. <laughs> gave us 10 commandments. And imagine this. Imagine God, you know, saying, hey, listen, I know that, you know, times have changed and people have changed, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to delete commandment number one, number four, number seven. Does God ever do that? No, because his principles never change. Now, why is it that God's principles never change? Because God, exactly, because God never changes. Listen, his love for you never changes. His promises to you never change. And that gives stability to your life. In fact, if you, if you read the whole Sermon on the Mount, you get to Matthew chapter 7, and Jesus has this closing sermon illustration. It's about two builders, and he says, listen, if you actually hear what I'm talking about and do it, you're going to be like a wise person who builds their house on a solid rock, on a firm foundation. And when the storms hit your house, when the storms hit your life, you're going to be okay. You won't fall apart. Church, right now, there are a number of families um, in our church that are going through some pretty fierce storms. And I've been walking with, with the people in our church family through these storms, and I have seen people that have incredible stability because their lives are built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And they know that Jesus is not going anywhere, that he is going to be with them. And that's because they have taken what God says and they're putting it into practice in their lives. And that kind of integrity brings stability. Now, here's another blessing of stability. You leave a legacy. You leave a legacy. Look at this verse from Proverbs again, the book of wisdom. A righteous person lives on the basis of his integrity. Blessed are his children after he is gone. Now, this verse is intended to encourage parents. 
But here's a, a reminder. How many perfect parents are there? Zero. But see, even though there aren't any perfect parents, you can be a parent of integrity. A parent who tries to do the right thing for the right reason. A parent who's willing to change and learn and grow. A parent who loves your kids no matter what. And maybe this morning you're a mom or a dad and you think to yourself, man, I've made so many mistakes with my kids. There's so many things I wish I'd done differently. You know what I'd like to say to you? Welcome to the club, the parenting club. I was reading about this couple and they were married, they had no kids, and they were gonna do this parenting seminar. Imagine that, no kids. And the title of the seminar was 10 Things You Must Do to Be an Effective Parent. And then God blessed them with some children. And they continued to do the seminar, but they changed the title, Five Suggestions for Being an Effective Parent. And then their kids became teenagers, and they stopped doing the seminar altogether. <laughs> Listen, parents, maybe you've made some, some bad choices with your kids. Maybe you've not modeled integrity for them. Maybe you've done things that have caused you to lose your integrity. And I know this, sometimes we, we start to think this way, well, I messed up, I'm just gonna mess up again, so why even try? It's over. Let me tell you this, it's not over because your greatest display of integrity can follow your greatest loss of integrity. And there's story after story in the Bible to prove that, listen, God can change your heart. God can give you the desire and the ability to make different choices and leave a legacy of integrity for your kids. And you need to trust him to do that. Now here's another blessing of integrity. I'm just gonna point out three, I could go on all day, but here's another one. You receive eternal rewards. One of my favorite movies is Gladiator. And I remember the first time I saw Gladiator, um, there's Russell Crowe, he's this um, Roman general, Maximus, and at the beginning of the movie, the uh, Roman soldiers are ready to battle the barbarian horde, and he rides his horse up and down the, the front lines of the soldiers and he says this he says what we do in life echoes in eternity isn't that true the things we do in life echo in eternity and because of this those who live with integrity can expect to hear these words when they get to heaven someday well done you are a good and trusted servant. Because you were faithful with small things, I'll now put you in charge of much greater things. Come and share your master's happiness. This is such an encouraging verse because do you realize the small things that we do? That small word of encouragement, that quick prayer, that arm around somebody's shoulder, those small things echo in eternity. They make an eternal difference. Those are some of the blessings of integrity. In fact, let me just recap. The first is you live with what? You can look at your notes. You live with stability, okay? You leave a legacy and you will receive eternal rewards. Good. So, quick question. How do we do that? How do we develop and maintain integrity? Now, we're going to get really practical here, and I need to say this. As we go through these really practical ways to develop integrity, my goal is not to discourage you. And I need to say that because here's the deal. We're going to go through these different things. And if you're like me, um, you're going to be thinking, oh, man, I failed to do that. I messed this one up. Oh, I can't believe I did that. You're going to start to feel like a failure. But let me say this, and this is so important. 
God does not want to discourage you, and neither do I. Whenever you're feeling discouraged, that's not coming from God. It's coming from God's enemy. He wants to discourage you. But I'll tell you what. You know who does a really good job of discouraging me? Me. And so there's those things that we tell ourselves. But listen, right now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be open to what God wants to say to you as we walk through these things related to integrity. I want you to, to be on the lookout for how God wants to change your heart. So are we on the same page? Good. And here's why I want you to do that. Because as you do that, you'll experience peace and joy and contentment. And that's exactly what it means to be blessed. So here we go. All right, here's the first way <clears throat> that you can develop and maintain your integrity by keeping your what? <clears throat> your promises. Look at this verse. A lot of verses from Proverbs today. People who promise things they never give are like clouds and wind that bring no rain. Now, how many of you have ever been through a drought here in South Florida? Okay, if you've been here any length of time, we've all been through droughts. And of course, when there's a drought, the grass turns brown and you have these water restrictions and all this stuff. So what do people hope for? What do people pray for when there's a drought? Rain, God, please give us some rain. And then you go outside and you see the clouds forming and it's getting dark and the wind starts to howl and you think, oh man, here it comes, hallelujah, and then there's no rain. How do you feel? Disappointed, bummed out. Look at that verse again. Let me put it back on the screen here. People who promise things they never give are like clouds and wind that bring no rain. So when people don't keep their promises, we get disappointed. I thought they were going to come through. But it was like clouds and wind that bring no rain. And not only is there a sense of disappointment, sometimes you just get really sad because you thought you could count on this person. Sometimes you get angry because somebody didn't keep their promise. Listen, God wants us to be promise keepers because he's the ultimate promise keeper. And keeping our promises is a way that we develop and maintain our integrity. So let me ask you this. What promises do you need to keep to be a person of integrity? What promises do you need to keep in order to be a person of integrity? You know, maybe this morning there's promises you need to keep to yourself to be a person of integrity. And maybe this morning you're married and you made a promise to your husband or to your wife and you said, listen, things are going to change. I promise. I'm going to change. I promise. How are you doing keeping those promises? I read a Bible verse this week that really, man, it, it hit me pretty hard because it's true. It says, God blesses, this is Psalm 15, verse 4, if you want to write it down. God blesses the one who walks with integrity, who keeps their promises, even when it hurts. See, if you're going to be a person of integrity and keep your promises, there are going to be times that it hurts. Well, listen, that's rather convicting, so let's move on, okay? And uh, <laughs> this, this may be like jumping out of the frying, <laughs> frying pan into the fire when I get to this next one. Are you ready? Number two. All right, by managing, this is how you develop, develop and maintain integrity, by managing God's money, God's way. By managing God's money, God's way. Now, let me begin with this observation, and I'm going to run through these really fast. All right? Here's the first. A person of integrity pays their bills. person of integrity pays their bills. Where does that come from? The Bible. <laughs> Look at this verse. It says this. The wicked borrow and never repay. They don't pay their bills. The godly are generous givers. Okay, so a person who has financial integrity pays their bills, and here's another one, they pay their taxes. 
Now, I'm going to show you some verses that some people wish weren't in the Bible. <laughs> but they're there right in the book of Romans. And it says this, pay your taxes too for these same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. So a person with financial integrity, they pay their what? Pay their bills, they pay their taxes, and here's the third one. They pay their God. Now, I want to show you some verses. This is from the book of Malachi, and in these verses, God is speaking directly to his people in the Old Testament, but he's also speaking to us. And look at these verses. Should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me? But you ask, what do you mean, God? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due me. You're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. So what is it that God wants his people to do? Well, God's very clear about this. Bring all the tithes, 10% of your income, into the storehouse, which is a reference to the local church in our day, so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, and here's God's promise, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. And then here's God's challenge. Try it. Put me to the test. And church, here's the thing. What would happen if, if believers really did this? I mean, it would revolutionize the ministry of the local church and it would revolutionize our lives as well. This week as I was working on the message, I knew that I had to take a look at my own integrity because the reality, reality is that I can't serve as your pastor unless I'm working to develop and maintain my integrity. And this will not come as a newsflash, but you do not have a perfect pastor. Did you know that? Listen, honestly, I have, I have faults, I have failures, I have flaws. There are things that I struggle with just like you. But I will say this. You have a pastor who passionately loves Jesus and wants to be like him. And you have a pastor who takes God seriously when it comes to this issue of integrity. I realize every time that I stand up here, that God is calling me to practice what I preach. And I mean, just what we've talked about, I, that means I need to pay my bills, I need to pay my taxes, I need to give God at least 10% of my income because I need to lead by example. And here's, here's what I have experienced, and I've shared this with you on a number of occasions. Whenever we actually take God at his word and do what he says, he blesses us. And that's what's promised throughout these verses that we've been looking at. The blessing of God, the sense of, of peace and joy and contentment. And that's true in our financial world as well. When we handle money God's way, there's a sense of peace and contentment and even joy that comes to us. And here's the thing. I don't want to just be experiencing that myself. I want you to experience that, which is why I encourage you to just say, God, just in what I've just listened to this morning, are there changes that I need to make? so that I can be a person of financial integrity and experience your blessing. And I know this too, when it comes to any area of integrity, when we do what God says, it not only blesses us, it brings joy to our Father's heart. Well, here's another way to develop integrity. Number three, by refusing to gossip. Refusing to gossip. And here's a verse from Proverbs again. A gossip can't be trusted with a secret, but someone of integrity won't violate a confidence. Listen to this story. Mildred, the church gossip and self-appointed monitor of the church's morals, 
kept sticking her nose into other people's business. Several members did not approve, but feared her enough to maintain their silence. She made a mistake, however, when she accused George, a new member, of being an alcoholic after she saw his pickup truck parked in front of the town's only bar one afternoon. She emphatically told George that seeing his truck there made it clear to everybody exactly what he was doing. George, a man of few words, stared at her for a moment and just turned and walked away. He didn't explain, defend, or deny. He said nothing. But later that evening, George quietly parked his pickup in front of Mildred's house and left it there all night long. Somebody said one time that gossip is the rapid transmission of nearly factual information. And I read, I read this, this quote from Walter Winchell. Some of you know that he was a broadcast journalist and he was a gossip columnist in the newspaper. He said this, I usually get my stuff from people who promise somebody else that they would keep it a secret. Listen, the church should be a place where you can have the expectation of confidentiality. That you should find people you trust and you can share your heart with them. Now, I was thinking on, on Sunday mornings, you know, I encourage you to go to the cross and pray. And the people that have been through our Stevens ministry have made a commitment to confidentiality. And that's really important because you can't be honest unless you really believe that that is going to be held in confidence. And so church, you know, whether it's praying after the service or, or you're sitting in a small group and in our small groups, we, we often say, especially at the beginning, hey, what's shared here stays here. That needs to happen if we're going to be people of integrity. Okay, here's number four. Another way to develop and maintain your integrity by working hard at what God has called you to do. And here's the scripture. Work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do as though you are working for who? The Lord rather than for people. Now think about this. Do you do your best at work when no one is watching? Now I've had a lot of jobs over the years. Worked in all kinds of settings and places. And I know that some people only work hard when the boss is there. And the rest of the time, they're doing other stuff. On the computer, on the phone, talking to other people, whatever it might be. And, and there are people who grab office supplies and take them home and people who will come in late and leave early if nobody is watching. Here's what we need to realize. God takes this business of giving a full day's work for a full day's pay very seriously. Why? Because it's a matter of integrity. And there are people who say, well, everybody else is doing it. Well, that may be true, but if you're a Christian, you're not everybody else. <laughs> My mom used to tell me this over and over again. And it's so true. You're not everybody else. You're a follower of Jesus, and you need to be concerned about your personal integrity and how well you represent Jesus Christ in this world. Well, finally, here's how you can develop and maintain your integrity. Be honest with others. Look at this verse from 2 Corinthians. We refuse to wear masks and play games. And we don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. We don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. You probably heard this before. What's the number one reason that people don't come to church? Because the church is full of... Oh, man, have you ever seen a hypocrite? I mean, what is a hypocrite? How do you spot a hypocrite? Somebody who says one thing and does another. Kind of the classic definition. And of course that word comes to us from the world of Greek theater because 
what they would do on stage is one person would play several parts and every time they played a different part they would change and wear a different mask. And so a hypocrite was somebody who was wearing a mask. And what does this verse say? We refuse to wear masks and play games. That's what a person of integrity does. Let me close with this thought. You know, maybe today as you've looked at these different ways to develop and maintain integrity, you're like me and you go, oh man, I broke that promise and you know, I didn't pay that bill and oh yeah, I, I, I listen to gossip. In fact, sometimes I pass along what I hear or maybe you're thinking, you know, sometimes at work, okay, you know, I don't work as hard as I should or I'm not completely honest and you start to feel like a failure. Here's the good news. I know somebody who always does the right thing. I know somebody who always keeps his promises. I know somebody who is absolutely perfect, and his name is what? Jesus. And listen, the only way that we can develop and maintain our integrity is by depending on Jesus. And church, that's what communion is all about. It's an opportunity to come to Jesus and say, man, I really need you. Jesus, help me keep my promises. Jesus, help me do the right thing, the thing that honors you. And listen, as we do that, we're making a commitment. We're renewing our commitment to be people of integrity, to be a church of integrity. And here's why that is so important. Because when you make that commitment, it not only changes your heart, it changes your family. It changes your church family. It changes this community. It changes a nation. And it can even change the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for this reminder that you want us to be people of integrity. But God, I am so thankful that when you command us to do something, you don't just say, hey, go out and try really hard to do it. You say, I will give you the desire. I will give you the ability. I will give you the wisdom. I will give you the strength to live a life of integrity. And God, because of the gospel, that's true. That we have a new potential because of Jesus, because your spirit lives in us. So God, I pray that as we come to the table today, Lord, if there are things that you want us to to change, to do differently, to address in our lives. God, show us those things so that we can honor you and be people of integrity. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.